everybody welcome to reporting is eligible uh, we have just lost to the vikings uh in what's becoming a bit of uh, an opening week trend for the packers um a little bit of just looking flat and discombobulated and bad in every conceivable uh respect um but uh we'll talk about all the various ways things went wrong and when you know how they might go right again but before we do really quick uh, just a reminder that if you want question priority on the podcast or on the tailgate podcast you can do it by becoming a patron at the $2 level or higher um, at patreon.com slash mketailgates. Uh, five, five bucks also gets you my mini pod, which, while optimistic this week, um, so wrong, did mention potential issues with lack of tackles, which happened, and called out Christian Watson maybe getting a shot play early, which also happened, although didn't work. Um, but I mentioned this mostly because we have a lot of Patreon questions, and so... Uh, we appreciate the Twitter and Discord questions, but man, it's going to be tough to get to them. So, um, if uh, whenever games like this happen, that's kind of how it goes. Uh, everybody flocks to the thing and uh, has a lot of reaction, and uh, we'll get to what we can get. But uh, that's that's uh, that's your best bet there. So uh, let's get to football. That's enough nonsense. Um, so um, first of all, as per usual, um, coming to help us analyze this crappy game in urban Wauwatosa, we have. Hey, it's J.R. Radcliffe, trending sports reporter for the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, vowing to be a little more profesh on this episode because while it is football season, many people know me and know, know this podcast, know that it remains baseball season. There is Brewers baseball going on as we record this on a Tuesday night, but I'm going to be stoic, Paul. I'm not going to okay. react. Okay. I'm, Go. going to be, I'm going to be my best Packers and analytical self. That sounds good. I look forward to seeing you try. Um, it's a, it should be fun. Um, and... Subbing in for uh, Matub today, who has to go stack cheese. I'm not kidding. That is literally what happened. Um, in, in I, I presume Indiana now, right? Um, we have yes, correct. Hey, this is Tyler Brook of Acme Packing Company, author of the Science of Football, which is now out in stores. That one feels great to say. Celebrated uh, author. Yes, yeah, indeed. absolutely. And you know, honestly, pretty good weekend football wise. Uh, Carmel varsity and freshman get wins this weekend. Uh, freshman, especially game-winning interception with zero seconds clock nice. in the end zone. Uh, incredible play. Nice work. Glad I'm glad somebody's happy because uh, <laughs> I'm buzzing. I'll Bed tell you what. Sunday. <laughs> I've noticed the emotional uh, investment in the Packers game wasn't nearly there after Friday and Saturday of uh, games you're actually coaching in. Um, I can see when that you, when yeah. your job is literally on the line. So. Uh, I think the dopamine is just depleted by that point. That makes sense. You get sense. to stand on the sidelines for both of our. I mean, you get for all, for all, the whole suite of games. Are you there? Um, I'm on the sidelines coaching up linebackers for the freshman game. Uh, I'm handling replay uh, in the press. Oh, box are you? Okay. On Friday. Uh, I mean, once it's set up, it's pretty awesome to see kind of the technology that is now starting to creep into the high school level. So, um, hey, Tyler, before we jump in, uh, I know you had all 22 before I did because um, you're cooler than I am uh, for the thing that we just cut. And uh, 
I, I got to look at like 10 minutes of it earlier today. And my or my original theory on this game was when we looked at it, we'd see a lot of Dubs and Watson open because they played a ton of snaps and not getting looks. And what I saw instead was actually kind of everyone being open and not getting looks. Like Sammy Watkins could have had like 80 yards in this game. He was actually open deep quite frequently. Does that check with what you were seeing when you watched it? Yeah, I was trying to go in with the lens of let's see where went pass protection. And granted, I've only watched the offensive film so far. Uh, when you're coaching high school, you watch a lot of high school film. Yeah. So at some point you get sick of all 22. Um, but from what I've watched so far, uh, that that tracks just way too many guys open. And Roger just there's so many times, you know, the pass protection was a problem a lot. But you're just seeing even from a clean pocket where it's just like, why aren't you pulling the trigger on that? Read, yeah. Like right away. Yep. Like, there, there were a couple of where um, where Watson and even Cobb were sitting open in deep zone, uh, like deep zones where I feel like he just rips it off most of the time and he had clean pockets and just like check down instead. Well, like just didn't either have confidence that the pocket would stay clean or that his arm was going to do it. Um, but uh, it was not a good Rodgers performance. It got, it got worse in a weird way when I watched it a second time. I, I, yeah. Not the way I thought it was going to get worse. So. And let me just tell you, Jake Hansen sucks. He's, he, we'll get, oh, we'll get there. We'll get there. He's, he's, <laughs> he's very, very bad. We have uh, a lot of dedicated to Jake Hansen on this podcast. Yeah, prob- pr- probably too much, honestly. Uh, he, he should probably have the nickname of, uh, of garbage bag full of something, um, something different. Um, <laughs> garbage, perhaps. Garbage bag full of trash. <laughs> anyway, let's. So um, to kick off, since they did lose horribly on opening day, uh, we can knock out one Patreon question really quick. We have from from uh, Tim Brown, who I have to concentrate to say, Rex. It's not like Ryan Braun. Um, uh, one more. Correct me if I'm wrong, but uh, Matt Lafleur is pretty terrible to start a season and off bye weeks. Why do we think that is? And it's kind of true. Um, so uh, over the Lafleur tenure, their opening games are a 10-3 win over the Bears, where Rodgers was horrible. Um, a good win over Minnesota, 43-34, where everybody was amazing. And then that loss last year to New Orleans, where everybody was horrible. Um, after normal bye weeks during the season, they have a loss to San Francisco 37-8, to where Aaron was t- horrible. Lost to Tampa Bay 38-10, where Aaron was horrible. And a win over Chicago where, uh, 36-28, where Aaron was horrible, but special teams was atrocious and almost gave it away. Aaron was awesome. He was the, awesome. In that last game. Yeah. Did yeah, I say, sorry. Did I, I'm sorry. Did I say You awful? said horrible. You know, that was a good game. Let's correct that. He, in the Chicago game, he was amazing. I think he had four touchdowns and no picks, and he was great. Uh, and then the playoffs, we all know about. They did beat Seattle after a bye and played pretty well, although Devontae dominated the hell out of that game. Uh, they beat the Rams pretty handily. Aaron was pretty good in that game. And then they had the San Francisco loss last year in the cold. So um, it's not great in the aggregate, um, but uh, uh, I don't think it's probably as bad as it looks because it's a small sample size of games. And especially the post-buy ones, like you've got good defense um, opponents there. Like San Francisco's defense was awesome. Tampa Bay's defense was awesome. The New Orleans, Actually, New Orleans' defense last year um, was number one in DVOA for most of that season. They just, you know, their quarterbacks just, just went away. They kept getting hurt. So I think most of this is just weird small sample sizes and selection bias and stuff like that because it's not just uniform. But I don't know. Anybody have a different theory about coming after buys? I, I'm kind of with you in the, and this is obviously the baseball person in me talking who thinks about sample size a lot. But, you know, a, a lot being made about back to back opener stinkers. Well, the year before that, they were good. Like, I, I I don't I don't know you can there's so few bit football games that when you're talking about sort of those greater 
those greater themes that people try to try to find over the course of a football season, you know, you wind up most of the time you have to reach a little bit because there's, there's extenuating circumstances in almost every single football game. There's just so few things that you can point to as trends because there's only 16 games. You never have the same team twice. You, there's injuries. The opponents are, are yeah. obviously very pretty dramatically. And I mean, like the first Matt LaFleur game ever. Well, it was the first Matt LaFleur game ever. Of course they weren't going to be perfect to start that out. And uh, you know, then, then, then it's, it's kind of just every other one or hit and miss if you're counting the playoff games. And like, those are two really good playoff wins against the Rams in Seattle. And and those are coming off a bye. So yeah. I don't know. I, 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 I roll my eyes a little bit. I think the, the, the one set that did stick out to me that I saw was teams that played their starters uh, in the preseason did did have or I should say teams that didn't had a pretty bad record across the league. There were three and nine. I mm-hmm. think it was uh, one of one of them was Minnesota, who uh, didn't play many of their key players. And of course, they played another team in that case. So um, maybe that cancels each other out. Maybe it doesn't. I, I don't know how you feel about it, but I do think there is something to that. And, you know, I, I think in the immediate past, it's it's fair to say if we're talking small samples. Well, last year we sucked in game one and look what happened after that. So, yeah. Um, you know, if you're going to if you're going to use the justification on the one, you kind of have to use the other two that their, their plan worked last year. I, I don't think it's a buy or uh, uh, opener thing. I think it's at least for a couple of these games, bad vibes in the state of Florida. Let's not forget last year's opener was played actually in Florida because of a hurt. Oh, yeah, okay. I think that's yeah, right. the Floridian vibes. Jacksonville. Yeah. Something about the Packers. Florida, where it's horrible vibes, like even that one opener. I think that was in the McCarthy era uh, when the Packers went down to Jacksonville. And that was a stinker of a Jacksonville team, right? I actually and, feel uh, like they've been bad in Florida for even longer than that. Like going back to like yeah. Mike Holmgren. I remember them losing like crappy games to the Dolphins and like Irving spikes it running back for no good reason. Didn't they lose <laughs> to a crappy Tampa Bay team with LeGarrette Blunt? was their running back? Am I crazy? That was I want to say that was when I was in high school. Uh, hard to say if that was necessarily a bad Tampa team. Um, okay. They, there was a lot of dungy holdover on that defense for a while yeah. um, that kept them respectable, but possibly so. Um, it's just something about Florida. I'm yeah. convinced it's I'm convinced it's Florida games where they just kind of yeah. uh, crap the best. I mean, there was that fake spike game-winning drive against the Dolphins in Miami I'm thinking of. Oh, God. That's stupid. At the buzzer or overtime? I don't even remember. I think it was at the buzzer. That Amazing final drive, but yeah. Yeah, we should definitely lean into the Florida thing as a uh, as a statistical, <laughs> serious statistical. Very, very uh, obviously a factor. Worth getting. Worth noting also that first Bear loss. Uh, the Bears had a good defense that year. That they still had their sort of fully loaded um, uh, Vic Fangio like good defense. I, I think they were tenth in DVOA. Did, did they have Mac yet in twenty nineteen? Is that when that happened? Um, yeah. So that's that's a good defense too. That makes sense that they would you know give Aaron problems they did that a lot um I think this game I feel like it it goes completely differently if Christian Watson catches that ball that might be mumbo jumbo I don't know if it's I don't know if that's real or not but if they answer right away 75 yards boom um then he's going to Christian Watson more regularly over the course of that game maybe he's trusting Romeo Dobbs a little bit I I don't know I, I I don't have any evidence to support it but it feels to me that if Christian Watson catches the ball everything changes about this football game I agree. I think they win. That's probably stupid, but uh, oh, you think they win? Yeah, yeah, that's a bridge. That's a bridge. But okay. Uh, so I just I feel like Aaron went into a shell after that, and protection was part of that problem. Um, the com- combined with the Romeo Dobbs going the wrong way, like it it really did a number on him. Those were like two of the deepest passes he had of the entire game. 
Um, but I, I feel like he keeps taking shots if he catches it too, and just maybe is a little more active and a little bit less, you know, depressed overseeing that. Um, Aaron just, I think he has legit trust issues and doesn't like playing with young players because he doesn't know where they'll be. But I also think, um, he, he, he does kind of like just go into a little bit of a conservative shell when things start to go wrong a little bit. Um, we got a lot of questions about the bye week thing. Um, we didn't get any about just the Packers lack of coming back under, um, Matt LaFleur, which is also kind of a thing. And they're, they don't get down a lot. Like they're usually winning. They usually win, but they, they do not have a ton of great comebacks uh, in this regime. And I do think the Aaron conservative problem, especially against like this kind of defense, like cover two shell with a good inside linebacker, who's a good cover linebacker. Um, he, he just checks down. He plays it safe and he did in this game. So I, I think Watson's drop made a huge difference. I think the, the game is totally different if he catches it. The, the issue that strikes me is Rogers doesn't like to throw to those guys primarily because he has always said interceptions are such a huge deal for him. He does not want to throw them. He, he is cautious at all costs to stop guard against them. And when you get an unpredictable receiver, that makes some sense. But then he throws that ball to Randall Cobb. And I mean, I get that Randall Cobb is one of his trusted guys. Maybe he thought Randall Cobb could still go up and make that play against Harrison Smith. I don't know, but that was, that was reckless. And I mean, if you're going to make that throw, don't also try to sell the idea that you don't trust your other guys enough to throw them the ball. That that ball had like very little chance to be a success. If he's willing to take that risk, I don't understand why he's not willing to take moderate other risks around the field with, with these other guys. I'm also surprised by some of the sacks he's taken for a guy that, you know, is so interception averse. I think he sometimes fails to realize that sacks are drive killers too, right? Like those have a huge impact on the likelihood of you scoring on a given drive. Yep. I do think that's a conscious decision by him too. I think he, yeah. he has just decided I'll take sacks over picks and that's what he does, but you're right. Is uh, it because we used to make fun of him for all the throwaways? Like just now I want the throwaways back. Yeah. I miss the throwaways. <laughs> the throwaways were brilliant. That Cobb throw was very, very strange. That play um, did not warrant that at all. Um, th- there were there were going to be some other people open. I, I think uh, either Dylan or Tanyan was just sitting open for a first down uh, on that particular play, and he just threw an effort ball, which you don't see out of him too often. Um, I-, I feel like it was almost a like prove it to the rookies throw. A more like I I don't know how else to explain it because Aaron usually doesn't make any throws that stupid, and it was a stupid throw. Um, it it would be easy to explain if it was Jay Cutler throwing it, but. Just very out of character for him to be doing that. I mean, Randall Cobb's not out jumping people in his prime. He's he's <laughs> he's a little guy. It's a dumb throw to do, even for for great Randall Cobb. I don't know what he was doing. And the other thing about sacks is, like we saw in this game, you take them, you're gonna you're gonna fumble the ball once once in a while. It's it's gonna happen. You know, it's gonna happen often enough that you really don't want to be tempting fate to the point that you just let sacks happen because every fourth or fifth one, there's a chance the ball's gonna be knocked loose. That happened here. Yeah, and it was a killer. That I mean, uh, the other big play in the game was that. They were doing okay on that drive until that happened, and it was going to be a drive killer on the, just the sack, and then all of a sudden you see the ref pointing the other way. Like, oh, I see how this game is going. Mm. Not going well. Um, but he does, like, he's getting, I feel like, a little worse about this. He foamed a lot last year, very slowly pulling up statistics over here. Um, and, the, like, it's becoming a bigger risk of sacks for him. Um having the ball pop out it's it's kind of annoying Aaron played very poorly like aside from the the drop and the Dobbs wrong route like just everything else he did was sitting back there way too long taking a lot of hits 
making bad decisions and being careless, like really just very uncharacteristic for him. Yeah, I think I you had tweeted that you put this on the offense. The even though the defense did have some its major major issues keeping <laughs> Justin Jefferson in check, and uh, <laughs> maybe I'll leave it up. To, maybe, Tyler's probably a good person to answer this about how easy it is. Maybe I don't know if we overestimate how easy it is to go from man to zone over the course of a game to just say halfway through a game, okay, this isn't working. Let's have Jair Alexander shade Justin Jefferson because that's the big part of this game is why was Jair Alexander not matched up at all times with Justin Jefferson? Why was the best receiver in football just waltzing free into the secondary? And uh, I don't know. Maybe that's more complicated in a week one situation where a lot of new guys, maybe that's more complicated than I give it credit for, but... You know, it's very frustrating to watch the same thing happen over and over. Yeah, you know, obviously it could be a part of the install with that many new faces, um, you know, especially with a rookie linebacker and stuff like that. Um, maybe they haven't installed a ton of man stuff, you know, but that should, you know, you should have a game plan that includes some of that when you're playing against arguably a top two, maybe top one receiver in football right yeah. now. Because um, that's pretty brutal. Um, I, I get why you want to run a lot of zone. But at the same time, like when there's just such a threat, um, it makes things very difficult, especially when you have some uh, inexperienced guys running that zone. I mean, there are a couple of those plays on Quay Walker. I mean, I remember at least one vividly where, you know, if he keeps rolling out to the flat, which he has to cover, um, he's covering Jefferson, but he sees Cousins roll out and he kind of hesitates for a second and leaves Jefferson wide open on the sideline. So it's just I don't get the game plan. Uh, and Jair didn't either, which is not great. Yeah. All the communication after the fact seemed at just as bad as anything else, which is not a great sign. Yeah. I don't want to step on these questions that kind of reference this directly. So I'll, I'll jump into those. Mark Pudscarby asking uh, about the consternation. Jay, you're not shadowing Jefferson. Can you explain the pros and cons of such a strategy? Why wouldn't every team always use their best cornerback as a shadow corner? So maybe the, the question here is why, you know, why is zone? <laughs> why, why were they doing zone? Why did they think that was the best, the best way to defend the Minnesota Vikings? Uh, I think, a big so a big part of so, so they have strengths and weaknesses. Man, um, the the big weakness in man is it does leave you more open over the top. It leaves you in a situation where um, one guy screwing up can can really beat you. And um, while Justin Jefferson is you know clearly the best receiver on the Vikings and one of the best in the league, their other guys aren't slouches. So. Um, I'm guessing going into this game, you know, you see Jefferson and Thielen, and Thielen's not Jefferson, but he's a good second receiver. And you say, well, we don't gain a lot by playing matchup on those two. Those two, KJ Osborne's not bad for a third receiver. We get even less by devoting people to those three. It leaves the possibility open that they'll get creative with their routes and leave open a lot of empty space, but also for worse people like Irv Smith. Um, zone is a little more conservative. It tends to at least keep guys in front of you. And if on the other side, you kind of do view everybody as not equal, but close to equal, there can be a case for it. Now, the problem is Justin Jefferson's not a little better than Adam Thielen or KJ Osborne. He's way better than them. And, um, getting him matched up on anything other than Jair Alexander. Uh, Razul, I think, can probably do a halfway decent job if he actually gets to play a press man on him, which he didn't. Um, but, you know, you want the, the Alexander matchup on that one as much as possible. Um, and 
I think uh, we'll get to Stokes a little bit later, but Stokes and Jefferson don't mix well because Stokes is good at using his speed to close when he gets beat. He's not good at following like Devonte level breakers um, out of yeah. their routes. He's just not. That's not his his best skill set. So you know, if, if you're viewing him as an equal on guarding Jefferson, he's not. Um, Douglas and Alexander are going to be a lot better, um, and uh, th- I think that's why they. I think they viewed it as closer to equals they probably shouldn't have and uh, I think next time they will be a little more savvy about understanding that Jefferson's not just you know another good receiver on the Vikings he's like the best receiver in football uh one of the one of the things I'll say I'm not obviously a coach on the Minnesota Vikings and I much about Kevin O'Connell but I knew coming out of a tree that they do a lot of pre-snap motion so I guess maybe one of the reasons you don't want to run man they run a lot of that pre-snap motion so that, you know, cousins with the quarterback can get determined if it's man or zone. True. Where I guess the positive of running zone coverage is, hey, you can diagnose the zone. You don't know exactly what kind of zone coverage they're running. And you're hoping cousins, you know, misdiagnoses what kind of zone drops they're about to drop. And he makes a mistake. Uh, but unfortunately, it was the Packers making the mistakes in their zone drops and just going in. Yep. Just missing coverages all over the place. Uh, and Kevin O'Connell, I think, might be. Might be really good at this. He, he looked, his play was pretty good. Yeah, he might be a problem. So um, yeah. I think they maybe did a nice job hiring on this one. Boo. Uh, yeah. uh, uh, there's another question here. Dr. Hillbilly talking about the Jefferson thing. And he said part of his question is if if it's if this is true, is is something is this something other teams can and will exploit foreshadowing a season of how they get so open commentary and other subsequent teeth gnashing? I don't think it is. Um, I think you need somebody along the lines of his skill sets to uh, exploit the Packers' zone like this, and the Packers, I think, also can combat it. Uh, you know, it's you you can go man, you can go zone, you can go some hybrids too. Like if Jair is following a guy all over the formation, it's not always ideal, but you can still play some versions of zone behind that and still do some disguising. But like, not everybody's got Justin Jefferson. Like Cooper Cup's probably like like him. Devontae is like him. Um, that's kind of it. You, if people want to argue for Mike Evans, pro football focus would definitely argue for Mike Evans. Um, sure, but if you don't have a guy of that caliber, um, honestly, even Stokes is going to be able to carry to uh, carry most of them, and Douglas also will be able to do that. So uh, it's not something you can copy. You need a good horse for this. There's, I mean, there's three wide receivers on the schedule remaining that are going to be a problem like this for D- the Packers, and they digs. Diggs, oh my gosh, I'm gonna miss Diggs, Cooper Cup, and Justin Jefferson Justin again. Jefferson again, Jefferson yeah. again. Yeah. All right, so maybe it's not maybe it's not so bad that they uh, they prefer zone. Uh, before I get away from this part of the uh, uh, this this might be changing gears a little bit too much, but going back to Mark Scarby, he had another question about Jair seemingly being upset about not being voted a captain between this and what happened with Z last year. Of course, Darius Smith had a very good game, clearly very motivated to uh, wreck his former teammates. Um, kind of a, a jerk about it. Uh, I'll, I'll just say that. But anyway, uh, should the Packers just get rid of being for captains in this, in this regard? I personally say yes, but uh, whatever. I'm sure there's, there is good reason. I'm sure to have the captains. It just, uh, it does seem like it becomes a sore spot for someone every year now. I, I'm pro getting rid of this. I asked this in the Slack, and I had Archon, who is a former fairly high-level baseball player, uh, say basically, uh, the players like the captain thing. You'll have a hard time getting rid of it. Um, so that's as good an answer as I have. But yeah, it seems to just cause problems all the time. It seems like a stupid thing to have. 
um i i get it like it could be a sign of respect but like it, it just seems to tick somebody off every single year and that's not good that's the opposite of the intended effect uh, the the we had this kind of uh issue on like it had debate on do we want players to vote or do we want to select them um and i guess the risk you run of just selecting the captains with that player input is what if you pick a guy that just everyone hates and you just have no idea that that's the case then just that i think that creates a real problem is that what happened here i thought the players did select these captains but this yeah, is just... oh okay okay no. um and it, like you look at the, those six names, like I, I would say that Jair Alexander is unquestionably one of the six best players on the Packers, but it's not like Rashid Walker is a no offense, Rashid Walker shouts to you, but like it's not like the randos who are being named captains. Like there's some very good football players on that list. So I, I guess it's sort of like, I don't know whose spot do you take? I, but that I agree though, it just becomes a comparison thing. Like, well, why? You get situations like Zadarius Smith, who is clearly very hurt about it. Professional athletes just take slights as motivation. It's just they do. something they do. It's how they become great. They mm-hmm. see they see haters everywhere in every yeah. corner. Um, okay, do we want to move on or do we want to slander Joe Barry some more? Yeah. <laughs> slander him a little bit, but wait, let's move on. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, so Jake Hansen, coming back to everyone's favorite offensive guard. He is one of two healthy starting offensive linemen now with John Rennan Jr. getting put into the concussion protocol. He was not good. 14.4 passing grade, which uh, pass blocking grade, which I believe is out of 100, right? Yes, yes. Yeah, 14.4 is tough scene. Could not stop Dalvin Tomlinson. Dude, oh man, it's you know guards. I think are mostly anonymous. When everybody's saying your name after a after a game film comes out, mm, tough. That's tough. Brutal anchor, brutal lateral agility, brutal hand technique, brutal communication and trading off. Yeah, it, just across the board, he didn't do things. And I just saw. I think someone had him. It was like an ESPN that he had the highest run block win rate. On some made-up stat. They took it off almost immediately upon posting that with an explanation that it was based on old data, quote-unquote. Oh, my God. So, uh-huh, yeah. But um, uh, so also, I'll just throw in a 374, very poor RAS score. Um, and the only reason it's that high is because he's quite large. Um, the, he ticks me off. So not not <laughs> Jake Hansen, I'm sure, is a nice... Per- well, maybe he's not a nice person. I don't know anything about him. I don't... But uh, I Seems feel cool. like... I feel like with Jake Hansen and Amari Rogers, there is like some kind of weird lack of honest scouting going on on the actual team because um, Hansen in particular, all preseason, um, the whole time he's been around, really, we've all said that guy sucks. And when we do like projections at APC and we all vote on who's going to make the team, we all always vote that guy's not going to make the team. And he always makes the team. And um, then he goes to he plays in preseason. He sucks. All reports out of practice are that he sucks. And then you get to this game and there's people hurt and he's starting. And like, why is this happening? It doesn't make any sense. And then uh, Rodgers is kind of the opposite because Amari Rodgers, um, he did play in the preseason and he came in underweight and I still don't like him, but at least he looked okay. And then he gets zero snaps at wide receiver on offense in a game where they score seven points, like where even I would have tried something different. Um, so somebody doesn't like him and somebody likes him and um, like there should be more clear decisions on on these two things in particular. It's very annoying. Jake Hansen's terrible. He should be off the team. Um, anybody can play that position better than him. It's not like he's even a tackle, you know, just a guard. You can get guards anywhere. We talked about this last week that if 
if there's any explanation for this, it's that offensive line play requires some continuity, some communication skill that can't really be measured in one-on-one win rates and things like that, or, yep. or how, how good you are. At your various Absolutely. Skills. And, and so we can buy into that a little bit. I, I, I don't mind that a little bit. And, and maybe number 12 has a lot to do with this too. He's I'm sure has some say about who's blocking for him. We've seen that he likes the guys that have been around more than he likes the guys who haven't. That's just who he is. So maybe there's something to that too, but um you know, the Zach Tom, uh, you got it. You got to use him this week, I, I think, because I, I Zach Tom's going to be out there too for JRJ. I uh, unless they find some way around this. I mean, they now added Caleb Jones. Caleb to the Jones is up too, roster. Yeah. So they have a lot of options. They have a lot of bodies, but I don't. I don't know if they have enough to supplant Jake Hansen from the starting lineup. I I, I don't know. So I think we're going to be stuck with them for at least one more week. The, I think the biggest problem that I, I feel like because Hansen's getting bashed so much, I think we're also just losing sight of the fact that everyone on the offensive line played poorly. Mm-hmm. And I did think Tom provided a little bit of spark. And when he came in, he didn't do that great in pass pro either. He got absolutely worked in on at least one rep. So I think it's worth noting that uh, I even saw Nyman get beat action pretty brutally on a rollout that was supposed to be a shot play. He just completely missed the linebacker. Um, there's, there was blame all over that offensive line. Yeah. Um, Tom did have the next worst grade of, of PFF wise. If, if you care for such things, Yash graded out pretty well, but I also saw him get turned around and lose anchor a couple times, um, which was also not great. I uh, actually that Myers was probably the best, most consistent I saw on there, but also not awesome. So yeah, uh, it was, it was rough against a Minnesota front. That's not that good. Um, that's maybe the more disappointing thing about it is he had Daniel's good and Zedarius played out of his mind. He actually played. I know he played really. His well. grade was. I hate to say it. So I, awesome. I should stop citing PFF grades because I can already think of like eight of them I disagree with. But um, so they, like Zedarius said, like a fifty-five. I think we maybe had a question about it, but he was great. He had the fourth down stop on AJ Dillon. He was in the backfield a ton. He was a monster. Um, he had that cool in- exchange with Aaron Rodgers where um, they went after each other and then smiled at each other. It was nice to see. Um, but like this isn't like. You know, this isn't the Rams defense, or well, I guess the Rams defense isn't the Rams defense either anymore. I need a new one. It's not the Bills defense. It's yeah, it's medium. You should hold up better, even with backups. This is though the the least amount of talent. I mean, obviously there's plenty of talent, but like the least amount they've had on the line for it a is. game in it a is. while. No Bakhtiari, no Jenkins. JRJ gets hurt. Billy Turner is gone. You know, they've they had a lot a lot more options last year than they do right now. So I I a kind of mean thing to say but if you're not going to play it in a game don't tell the media that you're gonna plan to play in that game after not playing for two years like it's getting a little annoying yeah i'm starting to wonder oh, david i'm starting to wonder what i love him there. to death man it just hurts yeah I've, i it's, it's a sort of wisconsin sports thing the badgers too have have some guys that you know are out sort of you don't really know when they're coming back and you think, Oh, maybe it'll be this week. And then no. And the brewers have had those situations earlier this year. Not, not as much recently, but oh, I'm starting to doubt. Like once you go on the injured list, I, I have like, well, are you done for the year? You might be, I have no idea. Yep. Um, I, I really thought Elton Jenkins would be back by week two and it doesn't look promising. And David Bakhtiari, like I, I'm starting, you know, like did they make a mistake not putting him on the pup list? Because if you've already ruled him out for week two, this early in the game or seemingly ruled him out, I don't understand why they thought that he would be back within four weeks. I feel like that's a long shot. They must, they must have some idea. Maybe they'll, maybe we'll get surprised this week. You know, it's, it's possible, yeah. but uh, I, I'm, I'm kind of with you on that. And I don't see why 
if it's anywhere close to not being back in four weeks, like just err on the side of grabbing a few extra guys. There's no reason yeah. not to. So like you get them one extra game. That's you, you might lose two because of it. You might've lost this yeah. one because of it. So yeah, not great. I, I, I just want to be clear though. Like I, I imagine he's just as frustrated as everyone. I'm not trying oh, yeah. to, yeah, yeah, yeah. Not trying yeah. to crap all over Bakhtiari because he is the man when he is out there. I mean, Oh yeah. The one it's not game, a toughness issue. Certainly it's, I know. mean, I did a whole film study in that one game he played against the lions. He looked freaking awesome. Like he hadn't missed a beat. It was yes, incredible. He did. That, that made it even more frustrating though. Yeah. Oh, I, I think the one thing too to point out is if you are if you are on pup list or if you are on injured reserve, you cannot practice either for uh, that's a, good a stretch of four weeks. So that might be a bigger detriment than we even consider than I, I consider yeah. anyway. Um, both safeties were bad. What's ooh, that was a that was a Adrian Amos was a rare uh, a rare miss in that game. I've, I don't know if I've seen it quite like that. He was he was guilty. Was it? One of those Jefferson plays, he was guilty. So right? the the Jefferson uh, sixty four yard touch, not touchdown, uh, long play, but the big play, yeah, that the, was him. Uh, er, like everybody should go check out the, the the tape on that one because it's it's really funny. Um, it's a it's a busted play for the Vikings. Uh, Kirk Cousins takes a snap. It's a play action pass, but he turns the wrong direction, so he play action fakes to nobody, and then he panics a whole bunch and he steps up in the pocket, which was smart. But uh, Justin Jefferson is running down the seam. And he runs basically a post between the safeties. And when he hits the safeties, he sees Cousins panicking and he slows down. He actually starts walking for a step. And I think that actually might be why Amos looked so bad on that play. Um, because then Kirk actually manages to make something out of it. And Jefferson starts sprinting and splits them. And um, Darnell Savage turns completely around. And Adrian Amos just takes the worst angle I've ever seen and <laughs> didn't seem to know what was going on. So um, Amos played awful. He, he was just terrible in all aspects of football, run, sport. Uh, coverage and probably the, literally the worst game of his career um, and he can't have that from him because he's the only actually good safety on the team I, week I'm two con- against the Bears he'll be back he'll be yeah. back I'm convinced that Kirk Cousins wears a bunch of repelling magnets when he plays the Packers because for some reason that man cannot get to the ground and it drives me nuts he does uh, he is very good under pressure against them that is definitely correct it's very annoying um, for a guy that's like Maybe we just underrate him as an athlete. Maybe he's actually really good at that. He seems to be really good at breaking tackles and running up the middle. I I, I got nothing. I'm I'm always surprised. He does it every time. Now it's just a thing I assume he's going to do. But he did it in this game. He made a lot of uh, chicken soup out of the other thing. Uh, if he uh, if he does get hit to the ground too, the refs are so shocked that they're just like, well, this has to be uh, got to be a flag. Yeah. yeah, it's got to be rough on the pass. Also very true. I thought uh, special teams graduated from often bad to meh. Pretty, yes. uh, I'm taking this. Yeah, this is a win. Huge, <laughs> massive win. Massive special teams win in this game. Now, <laughs> they didn't attempt a field goal, um, but punting was fine, and kickoffs were largely also fine. Uh, no big disasters. That's what I want. Like uh, Starters played quite a bit on special teams, um, got quite a few snaps, and Every, like blocking seemed to be in order. Um, gunning seemed to be in order. Honestly, they were they were good. This is all I'm looking for. Uh, we should stop talking about it because the less we talk about it, the better it is. You know, actually working. Oh, but what I, about Amari not playing on offense, only on special teams? Oh, I'm okay with that. I think he sucks. So <laughs> okay. Justice has been doing a lot of special teams, so naturally I'm going to watch a little bit of it. Become a sicko like him. Yeah. But. I did think the punt return packages were super interesting because they leave most of the starters on defense just on the field. And I believe they subbed out a D lineman and probably just the gunners. Yep. Um, which I like. Uh, this is something that we do. at the And it's pretty basic, but it keeps a good players out there that will cover for punt. Makes sense. 
It is good. Is special teams the highlight of this game? <laughs> no, my mine was Quay Walker. Yeah, I'll say my biggest sure. highlight was Quay. Of course, he leaves the game with injury then, but uh, it yeah. sounds like he's going to be mostly okay. I don't know if he plays this week, but it sounds like he could play this week. I'm I'm with you though. Like he looks like a first round pick, which yeah. is all you want out of the guy. He he was honestly looked way better than Campbell did for a lot of the game. Um, there are a couple times where I was like, "Ah, oh, good hit, Campbell." Oh no, that's Quay. Yeah. Oh okay. But there, were, I mean, there's also not a lot of competition for best parts of this game. Um, <laughs> the, the, um, Bob Tanyan looked pretty good in his one catch. He looked fast. He looked healthy. That's good. Uh, Watson looks really fast. Just can't catch. Yep. Watson looks very. Yep. Just can't catch. Uh, but just, I do think I do. We we passed that pretty quickly. I think that was strictly a nerves ball. Like yeah, I would. 100%. I, I would say so. Christian Watson. I would say hands are not a strength of his. Um, in, in college. He he would win some fights every once in a while against D two guys, but I w- I would say like his catch radius is pretty small for a six four guy, and like he's got a lot of strengths, but that's not one of them. But like he caught almost every bomb thrown to him in college. I I I recently I shouldn't say a college his last year. I watched all of his incompletions the other day um, that were targeted towards him, and only one was a bomb, and even that was overthrown. I would say just a hair. I only had three drops, and they were like concentration drops. Uh, this, I think, was just a nerves drop. It was a, uh, I think, a, you know, he didn't play any preseason games. He was hurt. It was the first play of his re- first professional game, and that can happen to people. So I'm, yep. Uh, and there's a lot of Twitter that's like, oh, his hands suck. I saw some, I saw some garbage stat that he had like a 30% drop rate in college. That is not true. Um, I, I charted all of his drops as a senior. He had three. If you want to be a, a, an expansive drop guy, he had five. There were two that were maybe. But um, The foremost Christian Watson uh, scientist has entered the chat. Yep, indeed. And then uh, some PFF... Ross is here? Ross is here? <laughs> some PFF guy had him at 12% drop rate. That's still... I, I couldn't find enough drops to plausibly make that true. Just, it's not true. It's ridiculous. So, hmm. not a strength, but... That drop is not indicative of whatever problem Christian Watson has with his hands. And the speed is very exciting. Yes, I mean, it is. The, I mean, they did a little end around with him, and it looks pretty exciting. There's definitely some potential with some creativity there. That end around, uh, on the end around per next gen, he had the fourth fastest running speed of any player this week. Was that the one where DeGuara pancaked a guy on it, the sideline, too? It was. It was. A, it was a dang good block. It was a good block. DeGuara actually played pretty well in this game. Yeah. He was open Especially a lot, too. when Jordan too. Love was in. Yeah. Yeah, well, he was open a lot. Did he get thrown, too? That's really weird. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, that, I mean, And I think... I don't know if we danced around this, but the, the, the toughest thing was Watson showed that he can make that play happen. And... That's the exciting part. And and for them to not try again, another deep shot, even if it wasn't to him, like to not at least. Run yeah. Why not run where... that play with dubs later? Like, why right. not give that a shot? <laughs> Seriously? Yeah, it, it just I, I mean, I'm not a play call guy, so I don't want to say it reeked of conservatism, but it, it reeked of, well, it didn't work and we're not going to try again. But like, did you see how he got such separation? I mean, he was wide open. That was such a slow motion play because it's like he's got it. He's got it. Oh, he doesn't have it. I mean, nope. it's going to work. The playbook will open up more as the rookie wide receivers get comfortable. So that's another reason why I think maybe don't panic that much. Yeah. Even as much of a bummer as the week was. It was a bummer. Yeah, um, it was. All right. So I'm scrolling through here to see if we forgot uh, to talk about anything. Well, we can talk about the bears coming up, uh, coming up here in week two. Yeah. They, uh, 
that was a that was a wild game in San Francisco. Uh, good on them for coming oh. back. They actually, I think played okay, but oh my gosh, it was it was a disaster at Soldier Field. Yep, um, that game is a burn the tape game for sure. Uh, it, if if nobody saw the uh, the tape of manhole covers exploding in Chicago on Sunday, uh, go find some. It's really easy to find some. There are a bunch by my old apartments. Um, that field they played in a flash flood. They played a in a flash, flash flood. flood. And you know how good Soldier's Field is normally. It was a disaster. You couldn't. Like the grading from that game, um, Ben Baldwin started doing like uh, ESPN pass block win grade cross with um, PFF grading on uh, on blocking, and the Bears had like by far the best um, offensive line play in like the last five years this week. But <laughs> it's nonsense. Like nobody can get any traction on that yeah. stupid field. Like it, it's ridiculous. So um, that is a burn the tape game. Um, the Bears scored on exclusively blown coverages. Equinemius scored a touchdown. Um, and Darnell Mooney was awful because, you know, weird stuff happens when the weather's bad. So um, there's not a lot to worry about on offense there, I don't think. And Justin Fields still is doing his hold the ball for everything. Um, he he, ha- he led the league in time to throw this week at 3.27 seconds. That means that's how long he took to get the ball out. That probably will be a problem for him this week when things return to normal and the Bears are blocking Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. So um, lots to like, even though the Bears won. Uh, after, uh, you know, after living there for six years and then driving up and back in today to Chicago, I'm filled with bad blood. I'm ready for Bears week. Let's go. As you should be. Um, the one thing I will say is they did play pretty well on defense legitimately. Now, the, the 49ers were awful. Trey Lance looked bad. Um, but Dominique Robinson was like one of the highest graded PFF guys yep. of the week. He had one and a half sacks. They were legit. Um, he was getting after people and, uh, um, Eddie Jackson was <laughs> looking like his old self again too. And Jalen Johnson is awesome. I'm actually a little scared of, I'm actually a little scared of the rookie secondary as well. Um, I thought Jaquan Brisker looked fantastic in the preseason. Um, that dude can hit that dude can cover. I'm still uh, furious with Jaquan Brisker for having such a good game at Camp Randall Stadium in Madison last year. So yeah. it would just be fitting to have him wreak havoc on the Packers yet again, or the uh, Wisconsin sports team yet again. But, uh, team. Yeah. Um, but yeah, they should move to Arlington Heights yesterday so they can get that roof up and uh, and avoid. No, <laughs> if there no, is no, no. Let's get the AFC team. No, no, wait. Yeah, no, I want the AFC team in Arlington. I'll go out there to root for the AFC team. I'll become the number one Chicago AFC all right support. all right is that on the table i haven't even I, I wasn't even aware that that could be an option that they would just bring in a second yeah. team to chicago it's not really <laughs> no it's McCask- not really the mccaskies would kill it instantly all right it'd be fun though it'd be a lot cooler if they did mccaskies aren't gonna be here much longer they're well, trying to keep that are. team within the family for all right all right all right uh, okay, well, we we have arrived at the point where we can get to some of these Patreon questions, unless there are any last thoughts. Maybe Kenny Clark blowing up Garrett Bradbury or anything that we haven't touched upon. Yeah, let, let's get to Patreon questions. We have so very many of them. It's true. Let's start with Justin saying, how would you rate the defensive performance? Not sure any defense can fully shut down a healthy Vikings offense at home. However, didn't feel like we were likely to make many big plays and obviously had some major coverage breakdowns. I would agree that there weren't a lot of like, I mean, didn't feel like they were turnover capable i i I don't or if that's that's probably not a thing but it felt that way to me like they're not getting a turnover it's kind of a weird one because they except for the jefferson thing were actually pretty good they forced quite a few punts um 
they were you know good on other people touching the ball. They kept Cook in check. It's just that those few big plays kind of um, you know swarmed everything else. And they're, they they had that problem last year a lot. Like they would give up two or three big plays a game, just not to all one guy, um, and kind of shut them down the rest of the time. And it looked like that again. So I'd give them like a C plus B minus because. 23 points isn't that bad. Honestly, you should win games when you hold teams to that. And, uh, you know, the, the Jefferson stuff was kind of embarrassing, but it wasn't that bad in the grand scheme of things. Yeah, I have, I have similar vibes. I will say one thing I have not gotten tired of, um, well, I did not get tired of in that first game was the tackling just because uh, as Packers fans, we've seen so much horrible tackling for years and years. <laughs> um, just kind of nice seeing guys wrap up and prevent any yards after contact. Yeah, and they still got to Cousins a fair amount, and Bradbury got pushed into the backfield a lot and did what they were supposed to do. Just just that one little huge problem. Yeah, just a little bit. It's so nice to have Devondre Campbell on this team, and maybe now Quay Walker, too. It's so nice. It's just a totally different vibe. All right, PJ, PJ Vessels. So the Brewers equal the Packers score in one game. Are you more surprised by the Brewers or the Packers' production? <laughs> I think was it him who asked last week if we thought the Brewers would uh, – would outscore Brewers it was, that week would outscore the Packers. It was so PJ. It was a tie. I didn't keep track, but that seems about right. I think that is right. And I think the Packers are more surprising. Uh, I guess because of last year, maybe not super duper duper surprised, but like I thought they'd score more than seven. And I think, um, I think everybody's pretty surprised that they didn't score more than once in this game. And they were close, you know? How bad is it that I can't even remember who scored the touchdown? <laughs> it was a running back. Oh man, Dylan. it was Dylan, Dylan. right? Yeah, Dylan. I, I didn't want to say Dylan because he also got stuffed. Um, although not really his fault that he got stuffed, so he also failed to score. But yeah, it was Dylan. Yeah, yeah. I mean that seventy-five yard play, that stuff. I, I mean, it could have been seventeen easily, like seven a three-point game at halftime when it was seventeen nothing instead. Like it really didn't. I, I mean, they were playing like they were playing poorly, but I really thought that they were in that game. Yeah, for most of it. And uh, that's a testament to the defense for keeping, you know, keeping things in touch. So keeping things close. Uh, okay. Um, PJ also asks if a running back is going to lead the team in receptions this season. Oh boy. Um, no way. It, no way. It's happened it's Lazard. before. I know, but well, I, how many games is Lazard going to miss though? I, I mean, that's more than question. one. I, yeah, I, like I, it might be like three or four. And um, if that's the case, the only reason, the only reason I'm, like, I don't think it'll be a running back is because there's two of them. Uh, if it was like an Amon Green situation, I would say definitely yes. So um, I think it's at least possible, but I'll say no. I think one of the receivers, the receivers will start catching more targets and um, the backs will still split the time enough that they won't be able to do that. If they do, then like, that's bad. That's a bad sign. That's not good for them. I'm just going to say Tunyon. I have no evidence to support it, but screw it. That sounds like a fun one. Hmm. Uh, we did not mention AJ Dillon as one of the bright spots from that game, but dude, dude worked. Dude, dude was tough. I thought tough. I thought he looked a little more timid than I was used to in the first half, but I think after Lafleur questioned everyone's effort, he looked like the guy I remembered in the second. Yeah, half. I agree with that. He he looked like he improved a lot. Jones looked good too. Um, yeah. kind of kind of the similar like explosive, a little more boom and bust than than AJ, but um, you know, without his couple of big plays, they maybe wouldn't have scored at all. So. Um, it was kind of surprising he didn't get that many touches, honestly. I mean, I know the game script gets away from them at times, but, like, he's a playmaker. Use him more. 
Uh, Flilly Joel Osment asks, looks like the starters finally got a preseason game in, but actually, was this loss more indicative of poor game planning, poor play calling, or poor execution? Yeah. Um, I think more game planning. Um, execution was not great, for sure, um, but I feel like a lot went wrong in game planning for this between not not figuring out the Jefferson problem in time uh, and, and, and just sort of the shell that like not adjusting on offense like it's one thing to go for like the first half and you go into the shell a little bit you haven't scored that many points you gotten stuffed a few times and not come out with something new like some Amari Rogers packages not that I want that but that or just like doing something to integrate um you know the rookies back a little bit more with simple whatever like um I, I feel like that went very poorly um uh, I don't, but the play calling is always hard to judge because, like, Matt calls the play, but then Aaron makes adjustments. And um, I'm, I I kind of view this one as Aaron made a lot of adjustments. So uh, that one I kind of just pawn off as part of execution to some extent. I'll go with game plans strictly for deciding to start Jake Hansen. That too. <laughs> That's not good. That's bad planning. You're right. It's a personnel issue. Um, I also wonder, we don't talk about this aspect of not playing your starters at all in the preseason, how that impacts coaching. Because, you know, those games now are essentially just they're just trials to see who's going to make the team. And they got nothing. It's got nothing to do with seeing coordinated. I mean, they had joint practices. I'm sure they have they, they have a plenty idea on what works and what doesn't. But I don't know. You never get a chance to try anything to really hone anything about your personnel and about game planning and stuff like that. Yeah, I don't know. I think it's one thing if you're bringing back like 11 starters on offense, that's fine. But there was so much turnover this time. Um, it probably would have been warranted to play the starters at, like a quarter or less in preseason just to, for chemistry reasons, if nothing else. And uh, I think that legitimately did hurt them. Yeah. All right. Jay Google asks, Aaron looked like he had happy feet in the pocket. Is that because of the poor O-line play or the inexperience of wide receiver and wanting to hold the ball longer or because he didn't want to throw the ball to certain wide receivers because someone dropped the ball early? <clears throat> Probably yes to all of that, right? Yeah. I also I don't think he likes getting hit anymore. Um, he's definitely last year he declined quite a bit on his when pressured when not pressured splits. Um, I believe I saw in PFF he had a zero passer rating when pressured in this game, which is you know worse than the the throwing the ball into the ground every time stat level of fifty three because uh, I think the interception was under pressure. So he was bad. I think. Uh, one of Aaron's old man problems is he's a little slower. He's taken a lot of hits, and um, when things don't go exactly right, he's not the quarterback he once was. I think what what worries me about all that is that it's now two games in a row for Rodgers where he's just not looked like the same guy. Yeah, that's he, true. Uh, that 49ers game, you're just like, you know, for, trying to force feed Adams, taking shots, not looking at anyone else that is open. Uh, and now we're seeing this back-to-back games, which uh, that's bad vibes for sure. Bryce Trozine says, will the Vikings defensive efforts spur copycats? And what could Lafleur? he makes a point that he capitalized for Monsieur Francais Gier, merci pour vous, Bryce Trozine. Uh, sorry, what can Lafleur do to counter? Sorry, did I throw you off with the French in the middle there? A little bit, yeah. That's okay. Uh, will the Vikings defensive efforts spur co- copycats? I-, I mean, part of that is what we talked about. There are not many receivers like Justin Jefferson, so they're only going to Well, be- this is about the defense, right? That's what that's actually what threw me. Oh, sorry, sorry, sorry. This is yes, I'm I'm wrong. So, it's the Vikings defense. I think on this one, the Vikings are kind of a cop, copying other teams. Um, Aaron does not do as well against 
good safeties who play some form of cover two is not quite right, but uh, who sit back there and make you throw in front of them. Um, and it, like, not everybody can copy the Vikings here because not everybody has the personnel. But if you've got that combination with it, sort of the Eric Kendricks to eat up the middle, get a good drop in and uh, take away, uh, be, be able to cover like running backs and tight ends competently over the middle. Aaron struggles with that a lot. Um, combine it with pressure, and yeah, this is like what Tampa does to him every time. It, it really is. So it is something that people can copy if they have the personnel for it, and it is something people uh, with good defensive personnel do copy when they play the Packers to great effect. Coaches copy all the time. Yeah. They, they just see what, hey, this worked against this opponent we have upcoming this week. We have the personnel to do something like this. Let's do it. Such an evolving offense, though, are the Packers with the way there's going to be integrating rookies. Like, I can't that's be copycatting they win for a lot long. of games. Yeah, that's yeah. why they win a lot of games. Uh, Price also says, P.S. Thanks for nothing, Matub. Arif does sound just like David Cross. <laughs> so, Matt made uh, Matt's not here, so he made a meme. Uh, Matt's been doing good work on his um, animated memes lately. Everybody go check them out. Um, we should start by mentioning that Arif was right. And uh, Justice was wrong uh, in this because Arif was saying that Eric Stokes is bad. And while he's not, he sure was on Sunday. Um, but Matt made a conversation between the two of them where Justice was represented by a chihuahua, I assume with Justice's permission. Um, but Arif was represented by David Cross because he does sound just like David Cross, like exactly like David Cross when okay. you're looking at his face. It's really true. I mean, I could Google the, who's David Cross. Should I know? You should know. Um, Tobias. He's Dr. He's Tobias Funke. He, he, he's in so much stuff. He was Bob Odenkirk. He was Bob Odenkirk's pop comedy partner for like 10 years doing Mr. Show. He's bald. He's got a big mustache. Uh, he once okay. accidentally blew himself early. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He, he has a bit part in the Breaking Bad Better Call Saul universe. Of course he does. So, uh, okay. Uh, I did not know that that person was famous. My bad. All right, Tim Brown, how can Matt LaFleur get Rodgers to get over his trust issues with his young weapons? He consistently gives up on guys after a mistake instead of giving them another chance. It appears LaFleur has tried to scheme guys open to help with this recovery, but Rodgers just avoids those players anyway. Ayahuasca trip. <laughs> Ayahuasca trip is my answer as well. Um, <laughs> I feel like he would be okay with that. LaFleur, I think he can do that. Yep. Um, it's technically I not illegal. I don't know why, but... I I do think that one way that he can help to get people integrated is just one read plays for them if he wants to. But uh, I, I think they maybe have to fix the protection before they mm -hmm. start to force him to go to people he doesn't want to go to. So that that will go a long way towards everything else. I believe he did mention on Pat McAfee that they're bringing back offensive line dinners. So I think that's Oh, oh that's, that's big. That's big steak and steak and mushrooms, and then more mushrooms with uh, with Rogers and your various journeys. Okay, Patrick Detmer. So, could this Vikings defense actually be good, or was Sunday more about the Packers' offense being depleted and unable to get out of their own way? Hey. I, they might be good. Uh, the, I, I I think the problem with the Vikings defense is more that there's a lot of old guys uh, playing important parts in it, and uh, like we mentioned last week in previewing this, this is the worst time to play them. They're all healthy. Like Zedarius is out there. Um, Patrick Peterson is still out there. He missed Harrison Smith. Harrison Smith never misses time, but he is old. At some, at some point, he's going to. Daniel Hunter is coming off a whole bunch of missed time, and 
um there's a there's a lot even chandon's not super old but he has also not always been out there and doesn't matter if he misses a game because he sucks but um i do think they'll start to have some attrition along the way and they're not super deep uh, they actually had some on sunday the rookies got hurt uh seen in, in booth both missed the missed the game um but uh this one they just had everybody they were fully loaded and they're still pretty good when they're fully loaded so that's it yep all right, Matt Stein, we've talked about this before, but what are the realistic expectations for the Wookiee, rookie Wookiee wide receivers? That'd be a whole different ballgame. <laughs> rookie wide receivers this season. Um, on average, Packer rookie receivers get between um, like 30 and 50 uh, receptions. on the 50s on the high end. It's like what Devontae did. They usually get like 50-ish, 60 targets, and that's probably um, about right for both of them. I go a little higher on on Dobbs because I think he will eventually be kind of a uh, a possession guy and probably the number two at some point, especially if Lazard misses a lot of time. Um, so I think he's probably on the high end of that, but that's probably about right. I, it, if I had to project like Watson and Dobbs independently at the end of the year, I'll, I'll bet Watson has like 35, 40 catches, kind of an MVS type rookie year, and, and Dobbs has something like 55 or 60. What about Toure? Right. Uh, I, I, I love him, but he probably <laughs> oh. won't have any. Yeah, dude's uh, dude was inactive in week one, of course, sadly. Uh, okay, so that does it for Patreon questions. We can go to Twitter questions now. Crow Pack Crow, uh, that's C-R-O, interestingly so enough. So I just wanted to uh, give them a shout-out more than anything. Um, okay. Uh, uh, I apologize. Um, guy who does Crow Pack Crow, who definitely um, listens to the podcast. Um, uh, it is a new Packer, new-ish. It's actually got quite a few episodes. I tried to listen to it. A newish Packer podcast um, that is done entirely in Croatian for Croatian. No fans. way! Yeah. That's, That's incredible. Awesome. That's and so cool. I, I I did listen to it. Just um, I didn't. I don't know why because I don't understand any Croatian at all. It sounds cool. Um, it, it sounds like uh, it's very professionally done. It, it sounded like the guys knew what they were talking about, but again, awesome. I don't understand. So, um, I, I'll I'll try and grab it for the next question. What what his name is? Because I have forgotten. Um, uh, but that is uh, uh, they're they're listeners of this podcast, and uh, it they're they're doing their own in a foreign language, and I think it's really cool. So, wanted to give them a shout out. And if you do know Croatian, go check them out because that's pretty cool. Yes, unfortunately, we do not know Croatian. I did do play-by-play for the Valparaiso University women's volleyball team in college. They frequently played Oral Roberts, the titan of the Mid-Continent Conference at the time. Oral Roberts recruited players out of Croatia almost exclusively. All of their best players were Croatian. So I learned how to say a lot of names, most of them ending in IC, but but unfortunately don't know a word of it. That is is really cool. That is really cool. All right, Joe, Joe Wiegand. Uh, in on his Twitter question, how much of Watson running by Peterson was Watson's speed versus surprising Minnesota on the opening play? If he's so fast, why didn't he seem to create much separation the rest of the game? Or did he and Aaron Rodgers, or or did Aaron Rodgers just not look his way? I think there's probably some surprise of Patrick Peterson having a guy run that fast by him because Patrick Peterson's a you know while well, he's been in the league a long time now, he himself is like a nine eight Raz guy, a very very good athlete and. Even Patrick Peterson, having lost a step, is still one of the fastest people on earth. So um, seeing Christian Watson come at you and shoot by you is a very surprising thing if you're not ready for it. And I think that is kind of what happened to him there. Um, But Watson did create separation on a lot of other plays. And on the ones he didn't, uh, he forced deeper drops on the coverage guys and safeties than than they did earlier in the game. And was still somewhat valuable for that, although they didn't make that much use of it. But um, he was doing pretty good work on his route running for a rookie, for sure. 
Yeah. I am very excited more so than the deep balls is how much that opens up the passing game. Yep. Once the production gets figured out. Yep. And, and really quick, our, our Croatian friend is, I, I, I apologize. I will definitely say your name wrong for the same okay. reason. I don't understand your podcast. Uh, I'll try. Juraj uh, Sajfert. Um, so, Hey, shout out Boyan Bogdanovich. Thank you for him. He is one of my favorite basketball Indeed. players. <laughs> um, Okay, uh, Neil Olson asks, why is Jake Hansen? Very good question. Because space has because to contain love. Space has to contain something. <laughs> oh, God. Okay, so let me let me play devil's advocate a little bit. Um, I mean, I saw what you saw, but we have been wrong before about players. You know, sometimes on this podcast, the evaluation is they're bad. Let's, let me throw the what if we're wrong question out there. What if there's something we're not seeing? Like, is it possible that there is some value in there that we just haven't seen yet? And that Jake Hansen does become at least a, you know, medium level offensive guard by the end of this season. How old is he? I'm looking it up. Okay. 25. Eh. Mm. Oh, you're, you're writing the book on him at 25. I, I mean, but you're saying he's not super young. Just haven't seen Just haven't. My problem with a guy like this is like, what are you what are you dreaming on at this point um he's not a good athlete he, he is it you know this is not a uh, there's not projectability here for you know um oh he's a great athlete just, just needs to get his technique better um when you have a guy like jake hansen uh usually you want to see some technique already you want to see something else and and that's just not apparent he, he doesn't move well his technique's bad he doesn't pass guys off correctly like what's the what is there to like so far that's different than like random other guard um i just don't see anything there yep that's that's pretty much how i feel um also just again just to reiterate having him and royce newman on the same side is an absolute nightmare when you're not trading off guys yeah all right jonathan deal says how far back in packers history do we have to go to find a bigger fork in the road than them not being able to jump up and draft justin jefferson i don't so I wanted him. Uh, he was one of my favorites, but it was going to be hard to go up and get Justin Jefferson in that draft. Um, and I'm not sure they would have been able to pull it off if the Vikings wouldn't have just jumped them again or offered more. Um, you know, they were, it's like they were close. He was he went quite quite a ways before they they were able to trade up for for Love. And um, I think the more realistic scenario in that draft is that they wanted Brandon Ayuk, who is fine, but not Justin Jefferson. Um, so I like I don't think it's a thing that was that realistic. Like we all wanted it, but I don't think it was really on the radar that much. Do you also get the same level of play from Aaron Rodgers if you don't draft his potential successor just to yeah. make him mad? It all it's all a tapestry. <laughs> um I feel I feel like I need to correct that most of the the Oral Roberts volleyball players did not end in IC. I believe that's a Serbian <laughs> thing more than a Croatian thing. Uh, the one player I was thinking of, Ori Zuzic, was in fact Croatian, but uh, okay, uh, still many Croatian players, just not uh, not as I described it. I just 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 to correct the record there, um, you know the, the Jefferson thing reminds me of the Brewers. They famously drafted uh, right one spot after Mike Trout was taken. They got Eric Arnett. They sure did. did. And uh, so I know a lot of people have often wondered what would have happened if he had just fallen one more spot. And, you know, I have a feeling they probably wouldn't have taken him then either. You know, like it's just it maybe isn't like, like you're saying with the with the Ayuk thing. It isn't 
it doesn't necessarily mean that history writes itself differently if uh, if a couple circumstances. Yeah, I'm, the only people who should be mad about that is the Eagles who took Jalen Rager one pick ahead of Justin Jefferson. That's yeah, no. that's much more egregious, and that burned them much worse. Did it the Brewers nice. win? Uh, the Brewers did win. All yes, right. eight to four. Eight to four. Um, can't believe they actually won that game somewhat convincingly, yeah. given that they didn't have a starting pitcher and the Cardinals were throwing their best guys. So Love the bullpen game. Interesting. Yeah. All right. Uh, ben Saylor. We're kind of uh, almost near the end here. Kingsley and Gabari received a higher PFF grade than Zadarius Smith. Your thoughts. You've shared them already that you think PFF is wrong. I think they I saw him once. Uh, yeah. He had a tackle. Uh, he did. I think their PFF has rough weeks after week one. And I, I, that grade is literally probably based on like two plays the whole game. Zedarius played really well and they, they underrated him for this game. They're wrong. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it guys. That's yeah. uh, unless there's a discord question that I'm missing. I think we're, we're here. We did it. We did it. Week one is in the books. Uh, now I can go rest my voice. Goodness gracious. Um, we almost lost you for a minute. Yeah, I almost died mid-podcast. I'm going to edit that part out, but not this. So you guys are lucky you got this one through. It was bad. Yeah, it was bad. <laughs> it was really, really, really bad. Um, all right. But, but, but before we go, um, JR, do you have anything to plug? Uh, nothing. Not a lot of stuff. Uh, interesting stuff happening on Tuesday night as we record this. Uh, Brett Favre, who's been tied up in this. Oh, yeah. We should talk about uh, that for a second. This Mississippi scandal in which a ton of money was siphoned away from a public sort of a public assistance program into various other things, including uh, $5 million to build a volleyball arena at Southern Miss. That, that was Favre's desire. And uh, previously, Favre has repaid some of the money that he got, didn't realize he said that it came from nefarious, via nefarious means. Um, some text messages came out Tuesday night from 2017 that, ooh, uh, grimace emoji, because yeah, uh, it, not great. it looks, no, uh, really pretty damning, actually, making it look very clear that he understood at least some of the gravity of what was happening, that probably at, at most charitable, some red flags should have been going off there. Yeah. So, um, and it, what I wrote about was uh, Jeff Perlman, who wrote the the biography, kind of the, you know, the biography of Brett Favre Gunslinger back in 2016. Uh, he went on a little bit of a mini tweet storm just saying, you know what? Don't read my book. Uh, he's a bad guy. I put some of the bad stuff of his life in there, but he's just he's just a, this, the stuff he's doing is monstrous. And uh, don't read my book. Had a, had a visual of the Brett Favre, Brett Favre jersey burning in a garbage can. So uh, big yikes all the way around. And I'm sure this story is going to continue to twist and turn the Brett Favre saga um don't uh don't imagine we'll see the end of that anytime soon but uh but that was that was interesting right out the gate and you know i wrote about uh rowdy telez having a cool moment with some kids before oh, yeah. a brewers game earlier this week uh or i should say late last week mark atanasio now has a, a pretty big stake in a soccer club in in england norwich city uh wrote about uh wrote about some oh, Packers really? stuff too interesting yeah 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 it's one of the one of the yo-yo teams like not uh yeah not good enough to stay in the premier league but They're not bad enough to stay in the i'm league. i'm a diehard premier league fan so um there we go all about norwich yeah norwich yeah yeah up pretty frequently also down pretty they frequently. literally go up and down every year yeah yep yeah, yeah. it's uh just one of those teams that's always going to be top couple in the what is that the english championship, championship. league is, championship, yep championship yeah. league so uh yeah on the coast on the north sea i i I think I made the joke that Adonazio lives in New York, or I should say grew up in New York, lives in LA and has a team on the banks of Lake Michigan, something about coastal teams just uh, strikes his fancy. And, uh, and so that's, that's kind of interesting. Uh, and also obviously a lot of Packers stuff was uh, wrote about TJ Watts injury for people who follow Wisconsin Badgers football. That's kind of a big bummer. And uh, he's uh, going to be out for a few weeks, but not as bad as it sounds. That's the thing with the Packers injuries this week too. They lost four guys 
none of whom I think were lost for as long as could be feared. Although I, we don't really know about the concussion uh, for JRJ, but yeah, uh, the Chris, Chris Barnes going to miss time, but not bad, not the, bad. The Chris Barnes thing is crazy. Like I think we all thought his leg was broken when they put the air cast on him, and nope, he, he he's not fine, but it's not nearly so bad. So that's good. That yep. happened to a Seahawks guard in the preseason where like he went down and all the players saw his leg and like screamed for the trainer and a cart came out in an air cast. And I was like, well, his season's done. And uh, he was practicing all week. He didn't end up playing this week, but uh, he'll <laughs> be back next week. It's insane. That's wild. Anyway, all that stuff can be found at jsonline.com. Nice. Tyler, I know you have at least one thing to plug. So. But by the book that I've talked about like a billion times on Ari, I'm not even a full time guy here. And I feel like I've talked about the book a lot. You got to pimp that thing. Yeah, yeah, but yeah, absolutely. Uh, I also wrote about the Packers pass protection issues on Acme Packing Company. Um, but really, more than anything, just happy to be reunited with Jr. and share uh, very personal information that got cut out of this podcast at the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> Um, you know, that book is, a, that is the real deal. Like Paul Noonan is in it. First of all, friend of the show, but more importantly, like there are like famous people that you've talked to and worked with to get that book off the ground. So it's, it's a, it's a really cool thing, dude. It is so cool that you've got that on shelves. I love it. Uh, I got to send Mina Kimes a copy. So that's probably one of my biggest accomplishments ah! so far. Nice. It's crazy. Yeah. It's crazy. It's really, really well done. Um, I have been plowing through it. I'm actually almost done. Um, and uh, oh, wow. every, uh, it's, it's just really well put together. Like every chapter, um, I, I'd say it's actually a little surprising. Uh, the special teams one I loved, it's still my favorites. Uh, it's, it's so, so good. And I am now in favor of the rules and options proposed. And, uh, it, uh, it, it's, that's what the NFL should do. It's very obvious. I'm um, very proud of that one. Cause I went into it. Uh, Will asked me, Hey, can you write the special teams chapter? And I was like, do I know enough about special teams to like warrant this? I was like, no. All right, we're gonna try our best, but uh, got some great conversations out of it. And yep. Thank that. That means a lot. Thanks for that. Hey, can I narrate the audiobook version of, of this oh, book? Oh, absolutely. We yes. Need to that out. Oh my gosh. So um, I've got a piece up on Aaron not throwing downfield at Acme Packing Company right now. I uh, I have my recap of the game at the Shepherd Express as well, and discuss Aaron as sort of a a manager of young players and uh, whether he's necessarily good for their development or not. Um, so go check that out. And uh, other than that, have the mini pod on Friday, assuming that I can still talk, which is very much in question uh, and, uh, you know, get a nice preview going for the bears game. So until then uh, I- I- enjoy the weekend. Oh, the bears are so fun. Bye.